Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to be back here and to, to be able to, to speak to you today as part of our anticipation service. Hey, any, any Springbok supporters? Any former Springbok supporters after <laughs> you? Well, hey, good news though. So the Springboks lost to Wales and it's been a bad tour and all that kind of stuff. But the good news is you saw what happened with the Sevens, hey? We won that, that um, championship up in Dubai, which is a, a great thing. A little bit of light, right, in this really, really dark time of South African rugby. It's not good. Any, any, anyone from Zimbabwe here? Some Zimbabweans in the, in the house, that's great. And Bob's no longer your uncle? <laughs> I mean, after 37 years, Robert Mugabe has um, resigned as president of, of Zimbabwe, and there's a new guy in there. And it's amazing to see, um, you know, the, the celebration that's happened. I heard the news on the radio, and, you know, hearing all the, the commotion and the, the cheers and the celebrations in the streets and seeing people's happy faces... And it seems like a little bit of light in a very you know, oppressive regime and something has come to an end, but it's a really, really good time. And this morning, I want to talk to you a bit about light, obviously a little bit of a different kind of light that we're going to speak about. But this morning, I hope to answer two questions. They're related questions and very, very important for us as, as Christians, or at least people that are attending church today, and you'll find out why I'm saying that later, but... The first one is this, how can we see light in such dark times? How, how can we see light in such dark times? And the second one related to that is, how can we help others see light in such dark times? And you're like, wait, hold on, Mark, you've just, you know, we're starting this anticipation thing, we're leading up to Christmas. Those are kind of dark questions to be asking. You know, after all, isn't, you know, Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? You know, ask Pastor Tom. It is. You know, Claudette, my wife, will tell you the same thing. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's great. But not for everyone. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, but not for everyone. And there's a couple of reasons why I say that. I'm gonna, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why that's true, but I'm going to give you two that I think are probably the most compelling. The first one is Christmas doesn't make the world stand still. Christmas doesn't make the world stand still. What I mean by that is I wish someone would tell all the bad guys and all the diseases and all the, everything that's happening to people to just take a chill pill for this season because it's Christmas. But unfortunately, just because it's Christmas doesn't make the world stand still, and all of those things still happen. You know, just personally, do you spot anything wrong with this picture? Yeah, I'm a handsome guy in that picture, but... So that's a real photo of, so I, I get this, this SMS early one morning that money had come off of my account for a cell phone contract that I didn't have. So I, you know, phoned them and said, what's going on? They said, what's your ID number? Gave them my ID number and they said, you got a contract since this date. I said, okay. Had to go through this whole thing and I wish someone would have told them to chill out because we're headed into Christmas, but unfortunately this type of stuff doesn't chill out. Uh, recently I also lost my wallet and had to go through the whole process of cancelling cards and all that. So what I did is I cancelled my, my credit card and my check card, 
but the bank decided to cancel Claudette's credit card as well. So we're stuck without any credit cards, any bank cards at all. So doing all this, you know, anything is a schlep because you've got to go to the ATM, you've got to do cardless banking, all this, you know, this stuff. Because just because it's Christmas, the world hasn't stopped turning. And those are two very light examples. I mean, that seems serious, but it's not. It's all fixed. But for some of you, you either are going through something serious. Maybe it's disease or sickness or relational stuff. Perhaps... This year there's not going to be gifts under the Christmas tree because it's been a hard year and there's no money to buy gifts and so there's financial strains. You, you, the world hasn't stopped turning for you just because it's the Christmas season. It's kind of dark. The second, second reason is Christmas doesn't make the world right. For some reason, Christmas has a way, this very short time where we spend time with family and friends, and, and it, it, it reminds us, yes, of the good times, but it also has a way of reminding us who's not there and what's wrong. Christmas back in Durban with my family is a huge deal. I mean, if people come from Joburg, family comes from Joburg, family comes from Ladysmith, we have friends, all of my sisters and their husbands, we're there you know, normally at Christmas. Last year was the first time we went there. And all of a sudden, the Facebook posts were, we're really missing, especially the two little girls, so Mark and Claudette, can you plan a surprise trip so we can see them again? But all of a sudden, Christmas became a time of reminding them that someone's missing. And I know in Somerset West, you know, for some families there, that's, that's a, my, our story is easy, we can figure that out. But for some people, it's the very first Christmas this year where, you know, someone's passed away during the year. For Uncle Keith's family, it's going to be the first Christmas without their grandpa and their dad. For uh, Auntie Kathy's family, it's going to be their first Christmas without mom and without grandma because they passed away. For some of them, you know, in, in my family as well, one of them, the parents are split up this year and there's been a divorce in the family. So now all of a sudden they've got to choose. Are we going to go to mom or dad? And if we go to mom, dad's not there. And if we go to dad, mom's not there. And Christmas hasn't made that right. It's just a reminder of things that have changed and things that aren't so good. So Again, how do we see light in such dark times, and how do we help other people see light in such dark times? Well, thankfully, we're not left alone to figure this out. God gave us Scripture, and in Scripture, He's, he's told us how we can do this. And I want you if, you, if you will, if you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And the reason that I chose to go to John is because I had to preach on light, and John mentions light more than anyone else. But for a more spiritual reason than that. Um, also, the, when John was writing his gospel, we believe that he wrote it later rather than earlier. And, and if that is the case, uh, even if it wasn't, he was going through a whole bunch of darkness. If, if he wrote it late like we think he did, then all of his friends were dead. All the apostles were dead. Uh, Jerusalem had been burnt. Uh, the temple had been burnt. All of Judaism was in shambles because, you know, the temple was gone. There was no sacrifices. Uh, a guy by the name of Vespasian under uh, Nero, the uh, emperor, had sent him down there to take care of the Jews in Judea because they had this uprising. They were revolting, not in the way that they were gross, but in the way that they had, um, you know, risen to power and tried to take over the Roman government there. There was a lot of a power struggle. And so Nero sent this guy Vespasian down, and he said, you've got to go and take control of this. And in the process, he killed hundreds of thousands of, of Jewish people. And then he exported millions of other Jews into the rest of the Roman Empire as slaves. And as Christians, Nero then went and burnt down Rome. 
and blamed it on the Christians, so the Christians were being persecuted. There's a whole bunch of darkness in John's world as he writes this Gospel of John. But in the midst of all that darkness, he still had this to say, and you don't, you're not open here, but this is John chapter 20, it's up on the screen. He says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, talking about the miracles, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now obviously the readers were physically alive, he's talking about a different kind of life. He's saying in the midst of all that's going wrong, you can still have life. And so John, in the midst of all the darkness, was able to keep his mind and say, there's light in the message that we have. We have this bit of light. And John hadn't lost his confidence in God either. John's the one, in the midst of all of this going on, he writes, God is love. Despite everything that's going on, God is love. And I'm sure as he's thinking through the darkness and he's writing his gospel, how am I going to begin this? He recalls the darkness into which Jesus was born. Still under Roman government, still very oppressive, both socially and economically under the Romans, and even religiously under their own religious leaders, they were really, really oppressed. And so John remembers that. And John starts his gospel not like Matthew or Luke do with a story of angels and shepherds which is kind of strange because John had spent a lot of time with Mary. If anyone could have asked her, hey, Mary, tell me again, what did the angel say? Hey, Mary, were there really three wise men? Because there's going to be arguments. We can clear this up. John could have done that. But he starts his gospel differently. His birth narrative is way different than Matthew or Luke. That's how John starts his, his narrative. And this is John chapter 1, John chapter 1 starting at verse 4. It says, In him was life. The same word from the passage we looked at earlier. In him was life. And John, as he thinks about Jesus, he could have said many things. In him was authority. In him was deity. In him was compassion. In him was love. But the one thing that made Jesus stand out to John as he thought about Jesus' life is in him was life. And again, it's not physical life. It's a different kind of life. In fact, the word that's translated life there means the absolute fullness of life, which belongs both, both ethically and essentially to God. So Jesus had God type of life in him. That's the kind of life that he's talking about. And the reason John said that is because in the midst of all the other teaching and all the other people that were roaming around in those days, they were all preaching kind of a death message. When Jesus went to the leper, and, to the guy with the withered hand, and everyone was wondering, is he going to heal him? Is he going to heal him? And he said, stretch out your hand. And the guy's hand healed. That's life. But the Pharisees say, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath. You can't do that on the Sabbath. And on another occasion, the religious leaders dragged this poor woman in front of a whole crowd and said, this woman, we've caught her in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses says she ought to be put to death. And Jesus said, okay, whoever hears without sin, you, you be the one to throw the first stone. And one by one, they dropped their stones and left. And he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no, they're all gone. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And in a situation where everyone else was speaking death into it, he spoke life. And that was his life. Wherever he went, this life exuded and oozed out of him. And John says, that's who Jesus was. And that life was the light 
of men. Now, here's what he's saying. If you're reading from the NIV today, you yours might say of all mankind, and that might be a better way of understanding it, because he's not saying if you're male, good for you, I've come for you, and I'm going to save you. If you're a lady, sorry, you lose out this time. Maybe someone else will come for you. No, he said this is for all of people. Here's why he said that. Because the Jews were expecting their Messiah to come and to rescue the, the Jewish people from Roman oppression and to set up Israel as a kingdom on earth once again. And Jesus said, that's not why I came. And after he died and rose again, he said, now go into, into, into the world and make disciples of all nations. And that extends forward to today, where Jesus didn't come for just people 2,000 years ago. He came for you and he came for me. Because his life is the light of all men. And then John, I want you to notice this. The light shines in the darkness. Notice the previous words. In him was life, and that life was the light of men, past tense. But now John brings it forward to when he's writing, and he says, that light shines in the darkness. Despite everything that we can see going on around us, despite the Roman oppression, despite the, the persecution, despite all our friends being dead, despite everyone under the threat of death, despite all of that, that light is shining right now in this dark world. And then he says this, and the darkness has not, and I think that John took a moment and thought about the words that he had used next. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not and he thinks about that time, that day when someone said and came to him and said, John, your brother James has been killed for his faith. And another day, John, your, your friend Peter, he's been crucified upside down by the Romans. And on another day, John, the champion of the faith, the, the church planter, the writer of Scripture, Paul, he's been beheaded. John, the temple has been burned down. John, Rome has been burned down and they're blaming the Christians. And as he thinks about it and the oppression that he felt with all this darkness closing in and as much as that darkness tried to snuff out the light, John says that the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not overcome it. He has a, he has a message. He says that Jesus' life is a light that cannot be overcome by darkness. Jesus' life is a light that cannot be overcome by darkness. When I was in grade 11, we went on a, a leadership camp to a place called um, Chungweni Dam in KZN. It was run by a group called Spirit of Adventure. And I found out that their definition of adventure is coming as close to death as possible without actually dying, and that's adventure. We, we got out of the bus, and we we're all waiting to, to go into this place, and we we're all excited, like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? One of the, the cleverer kids in, in our group he stood under a tree and he said, hey guys, you know what that is? And we're like, yes, Red, that's a tree. And he said, no, 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 look in the tree. So we looked and then all of a sudden one of the branches just moved a little bit. Whoa, there's not even any wind and that branch just moved. He said, yeah, that's, it's called a vine snake. Like, wow, a vine snake. And he says, do you know what a vine snake is? No, Red, tell us, what's a vine snake? And they said, a vine snake bites you. And, and when it bites you, there's no antivenom. They haven't figured it out yet. But when it bites you, and even if they had, you've got very little time. There probably wouldn't be time to get the antivenom. And when it does, it actually goes into your arteries and your veins and dissolves them, and it just makes you bleed out, and all of your blood goes to where it shouldn't go, and you die. Oh, goodness. 
later on we go into the camp and they said, right, here's where you're going to be staying. Be careful when you go into the little wooden huts that you're going to be sleeping in. Make sure that you look under them because they were elevated on bricks. Make sure you look under them because the, the king cobras and the black mambas, they don't like the sun so much, so they like to go and hide and to sleep under your hut. So just make sure that there's nothing under there before you go in. If there is, just call us and we'll help you. You're like, okay, good. And it felt like, you know, just don't go towards the light because it's going to be dangerous. But this is the spirit of adventure. And one of the adventures that we went on is be careful of the king cobras and the black mambas, but we're going to go on a walk around the dam. And we came to this long, long, long tunnel. And we all made it safely. But they said, right, go into the tunnel and just move towards the light. And we're like, yeah, sure, we're not moving towards any light because that just means that we've died. But he says, Trust me, it's a long tunnel, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not a train, so you can walk towards this thing and, and go for it. So we got in there, and eventually, as we were like halfway, it's, I mean, we were wading in water that's almost waist deep, going through this tunnel, and right at the very end, it was so dark, I mean, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, but right at the end was this, this little light. It was so dark that it actually felt heavy on us, and it felt like it was very oppressive darkness. But as dark as that tunnel got, it was never able to put out that little light right at the end of the tunnel. And in the same way, John is saying, as dark as life ever gets, it will never be able to put out that light which is, that is the life of Jesus Christ. Darkness tried to. It tried so hard when he was on earth that at every, every point there was someone trying to put out the light that was in him and the life that was in him. To the point where they thought, the life, the, the life that's in him is the life that is in him. So we, we just need to snuff out his life and we'll snuff out the light. And so they crucified him. But three days later, he rose and today he's alive. And so that life, which is the light of men, still shines in this darkness for us. So well, how does that help us? Though? How do we see the light then in such dark times and how do we help other people see the light? On the same trip, the same camp, I jumped backwards off of about an 80-meter-high wall and landed at the bottom. The reason I did it was I was, I was harnessed in and strapped in and, and people were helping me and I was abseiling down. The reason that I did that was because I, want, I, I knew because they had demonstrated the guy got his friend to strap in and without any other ropes, he leaned back like this against the wall and the guy that was helping us held him up with two fingers because of how all the pulleys and stuff work. I'm not, it's science, and I don't understand the science behind it. But because of that, it's, it's extremely easy to support someone's weight in this harness. And, and God says, at some point, we're all going to have to take a jump off of this wall. It's called death. It's the end of life. And some of us are trying to cling to this wall by our own works and by giving to charity and by doing things just so we can avoid it and so that we can be somehow right with God and end up on the other side okay. But God says, no, there's a way. You need to lean back and trust in the harness that is the work of Jesus because he died on the cross and took care of all your sins so that you don't have to earn rightness with God. You just have to trust in Jesus and his work. So lean back and trust him. And you know what he says, the most famous verse in the Bible, everyone knows, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes, so whoever trusts, whoever takes that lean back, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal what? Life. That's the same word as this life over here. You can have that fullness of life, that light, that life that is the light of men, you can have it inside of you if you just believe in Jesus. And then other people can see our light. But that's the important part. 
right? So how can we help other people see the light? Well, we need to be the light. If we have the light inside of us, we need to show that light. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then he saw, and he created the earth, and he saw that, well, there needs to be a day because it's pretty dark. So he created the sun to provide light by the day. And then he said, right, but nighttime is pretty dark as well, so I'm going to give light there. I'm going to give the moon and the stars. And then sin entered the world, and he said, the world has become a pretty dark place. So eventually he said, well, I want Christians and the church to be the light, to illuminate this very, very dark world. And that includes you, and it includes me. Paul says it this way. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So you and I, it's our duty then to shine as lights. If we have that life inside of us, which is the light of all men, it's our duty to shine that light so that others can see it in this very dark time. So how do we do that? Well, the early Christians knew it. It's, it's by our works, by the things that we do. Our works don't get us right with God, but they show that we are right with God, and it shines light into a very dark world. The early Christians, what they did is, uh, back in Roman culture, if you had a baby and it was too expensive to have a baby, or the baby was born with birth defects, or you just didn't want the baby, you'd go and leave it by the river and be gone, you know, be done with it and go back home. But in the early days, the Christians would actually go day by day to the river to fetch these children and raise them as their own, no matter how how much of a birth defect they had, no matter how expensive it was to raise a baby, no matter whether they could or couldn't, they knew that this is what they need to do to be lights in their world. They went down to the rivers and they adopted these babies. Another thing that happened in those old days is that if a disease broke out in a town, everyone got out of there because, and, and left the people with the diseases to die in the town, and then they'd burn the city down and start again to rid themselves of the disease. Not the Christians. The Christians stayed behind because they knew we need to shine as lights in this world. They stayed behind to help the people with disease. And in many cases, they nursed them back to health. That's what it means to let your light shine. And Jesus says, says exactly that. He makes it very clear to us. He says, let your light so shine before men so they may see what? Your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. So how do we let other people shine, see, our, see the light? By our good works. It's a good question to ask. How do we see light in dark times? How do we help others to see light? And it's, Jesus' life is a light that cannot be overcome by darkness. And we can have that life inside of us by believing in Him. And we can shine that light by doing our good works. So here's a challenge for you. Here's where it gets very practical. Because I think that we... We ought to make a commitment to something while we're still in the place that we're going to make the commitment and then it's, it's a much better chance of, of doing it. So how about we shine this light? What I want you to do is if you've got a piece of paper and a pen, if you don't, or a cell phone, or maybe you've just got a good memory, but preferably if you can write it down, write this down somewhere. I want you to write two things down. And I'm going to give you a minute. There's going to be music playing and everything and you're going to have a minute to do this. I want you to write down the name of one person for whom you can do a good deed. And the second thing is I want you to write down what you're going to do for that person. 
So what are you going to do? So who are you going to do something for? And what are you going to do for them? And it could be as simple as a phone call and say, hey, I've been thinking about you. I hope that you're well and I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas. It could be you know someone's struggling and they need a meal, so you make them a meal and you take it to them. It could be that you've seen this guy begging at the robots over and over and over again and you know that he's, he's, he's okay, or maybe you don't, but you know that he needs some food, so you go and buy him some food or a bag of groceries or something and you take it to him. But I want you to think of someone that you can do something good for, write their name down, and well, write what you're going to do, and, and I'll give you a minute to do that. Here we go. You know, there's, this season there's going to be a, many lights on the street, many lights on your Christmas trees, but will you have the true light in your home, in your family, and amongst your friends? Let's pray together, and then we're going to sing one more song, and then we'll be done. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your son, whose life is the light that cannot be overcome by darkness. God, I pray that you'd help us to shine in the midst of a twisted and crooked generation, that people may see the light and then be the light. Thank you for this time that we get to celebrate the birth of your son, which signaled that light was coming into this world. We love you. We want to honor you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.